0: In the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Boring. Each week we took it, take some topics locally in sports, some off the wall, people asking questions. Um, we're trying to stay safe in quarantine. we look at some national sports topics as well. Somehow, some way, Rick has made a, did a great job of keeping this podcast together. He is the glue of the operation despite really still nothing going on unless you're into auto racing, uh, which I am, I am not, I'm sorry, Mark Simmendinger and Kentucky speedway. I'm just not, um, but I did watch the start of the race on Sunday just because it was something different, something new. But uh, I'll probably cash out after that. Anyway, Shout Rick, how are how we, get, we getting along? I, you know, you could bet – I saw I saw Vegas apparently or somewhere, wherever I guess online casinos, said they had a huge spike on Sunday because of that and that Skins game golf.
1: Well, and you know, it's, it seems like NASCAR is a great sport to bet. I mean, you can do those like – you can bet uh, one-on-one matchups. Like, will this yep. guy finish ahead of that guy? That seems like a very fun way to bet a sport – um i just can't watch nascar just, I, I have a just hard time yeah I just, I just don't get it a fun fact about mark simendinger shout out to mark simendinger my third grade assistant basketball coach so fostered you know big reason why i'm here right now probably fostering nope. my love for uh, basketball <laughs> at a young age taught me the he's pick a good and roll. dude
0: and in the small world of small worlds uh his daughter is one of my daughter's best friends so there we go that's the no small way. world of, small worlds of mark simendinger yep
1: yeah that is bizarre all right well there you go um yeah, so uh, you're not – did you watch
0: any of the MMA fights? I did not. I'm not an MMA guy. I, I can watch some boxing on occasion. I'm not a big MMA guy. It, it, I don't know. Dana White bothers me the whole – thing just bothers me i i i saw a couple of kids on tv and had the sound down but no i didn't watch did you i'm sure you did because you can bet on that too that was another thing you can bet on
1: yeah i i don't like bet betting on fighting sports the boxing and mma i don't like betting on um i'm not an mma guy either it's weird that i can draw that line where like i'm okay watching guys bludgeon each other in boxing give each other cte over and over again and clearly ruining their their future uh mental capacity but when it comes to mma like to me it just feels like a blood sport and gladiators and i can't quite watch it i don't really understand how my brain separates those two but it does for whatever reason i watched the first one uh last weekend that everyone that every the one where everyone was uh going nuts and saying it was one of the best fights they, they've ever seen it was a, an intriguing fight i will say that but uh it's, it's hard to watch man it's just brutal
0: well, it's it is hard to bet on because you don't get a lot of value a lot of times. You no get the the favorites, favorite. always. Yeah. It, yeah, right. Yeah, it's a big favorite. And it's hard to hard to do. But um, nah, and even if I wagered on it, I just don't know if I could watch consistently enough.
1: Yeah, I, it doesn't do it for me either. So uh, I am I am anxiously awaiting the return of pretty much anything else. Even <laughs> if it's how,
0: golf. I yeah. Well, I, you know me. I love golf, so I, I did yeah. watch the uh, I did watch the skins game on Sunday. So that that was that was fun for me.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not, not, not really going to watch the skins thing, but I may watch, you know, the big golf tournaments when they return. Oh, horse racing. I'm excited about that. That'll be.
0: I, I, I've been watching. I haven't wagered a ton on it, but I've been watching horse racing uh, on a fairly daily basis. Well, yeah, but I mean, I,
1: bringing bringing the uh, big races—they're gonna to run. Oh, yeah. the triple crown still. So I,
0: I I will say I've I've become fascinated. I, I you know I have TVG on my cable, um, and they're broadcasting harness racing from Sweden. It's the damnedest thing ever. It's just it's 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 weird to watch racing from another country like that, especially harness racing. They have one, they have one place where it's 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 harness racing, but instead of trotting, the horses actually run like horses. It was the It was the damnest thing I ever saw in my life. So, yeah, that's kept me
1: interested a little bit. Yeah, that sounds dangerous. It looked dangerous. All right, Skinny, let's jump into it. ESPN's Bill Barnwell ranked all 32 NFL off-seasons based on their roster, cap situation, and future draft capital at the beginning of the off-season to what they have in mid-May. He had the Bengals at 12th, giving them credit for their draft and some additions through free agency, but he also criticized the DJ Reader and Trey Wayne signings for the price the Bengals paid to get them. He said the team should have cut Dalton earlier to open itself up as a landing spot for veteran backup quarterback. And finally, he said the Bengals should use the rest of the offseason to sign former Saints guard Larry Warford as an upgrade to Michael Jordan at left guard. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Cleveland Browns, and the Denver Broncos were ranked first, second, and third, respectively. Do you think Bill Barnwell's rankings and comments about the Bengals' offseason are on target?
0: The only one I don't think is on target is the whole cutting Dalton early to, to open up a spot for a veteran backup. I mean, Zach Taylor made that quite clear last week that they were not in the market for a veteran backup. Um, And and I, I do think that they tried during the draft to get some kind of capital for Andy. They got nothing. And at that point, the week after the draft, as I talked about the whole time, they ended up doing what was inevitable in in cutting him. So I, that's, that's the part I disagree with. I've told you, I thought they overpaid for DJ reader and Trey Waynes both. I don't, I don't have a problem with it because they targeted those guys. But that, that contract for, for I mean, again, for DJ Reader, he's going to have to become almost a, a Geno Atkins for that kind of money. And I just don't think that's how good he is. I think he's a good player. Uh, I know Bill O'Brien in, in Houston was extremely high on him. Um, probably sorry to let him go, but I'm kind of with Barwell on both of those. I, I, I thought that was a lot of money to spend on those two guys. Again, I'll give them credit that that's who they targeted. That's who they wanted. That's who they went after, and that's who they got. So I'll give them that. Um, and I think people can argue if they want about where the Bengals were in the draft and could they have finagled some picks to gain some more draft capital, right, to get a couple of – uh, extra picks out of it, and they chose not to. They chose to sit tight where they were and make the pick each time, and obviously they've gotten kudos for their draft. So I, I don't really have a hard time dinging them for that. And as far as Larry Warford goes, I, I got to look at the money again and and, and to see uh, – you know, if they're going to extend Mixon, extend A.J. Green, does that swallow up some of the money that you might get for, for Larry Warford? I don't disagree that it's, it's an upgrade over Michael Jordan or any guard. Xavier Suofilo, too. Um, I think you, know, you put him on the left side, you've got, you got a, a good veteran left guard with a rookie left tackle as opposed to a second-year left guard with eight starts under his belt and a rookie left tackle on the left side. So, yeah, I, I have to see how the money works, but that part I don't disagree with. that. But most of what he said I, I completely agree with other than the, the whole veteran quarterback thing how about you
1: yeah well he you know with reader he mentioned that the, over the last three seasons the Texans were actually better at getting to the quarterback when he was off the field and noted that the Bengals are giving him a raise essentially you know kind of insinuating that he thought the price would either stay stagnant or drop for reader in, mm-hmm. in uh, free agency so I thought you know that was an interesting point but the thing that I people keep making this criticism about the Bengals free agency signings that they paid too much for these guys and I think the the point being missed is that they're the Bengals. If they're going to go out and make a splash in free agency, they're going to have to start overpaying people because we see year after year where they get nothing done in free agency. So clearly No, that's fair. There's some type of disconnect there between players wanting to come play for a franchise like Cincinnati's and, you know, what they're willing to pay in the past. So I think they had to do something to change that cycle and I'm okay with them being willing to pay more than a guy is worth. The thing is the guy has to be good. He has to be, you know, I don't know if he has to necessarily be worth the money you paid him, but he has to be productive. And that would be the case, whether you paid him what his value was or whether you ever paid him either way. So what it comes down to is, will DJ reader be productive enough because he, he is a guy there. They're placing a lot of confidence in and and putting a, a lot of their money on uh, for the next few years and, and same with Trey Wayne. So yeah, I think both of those are important signings and will kind of dictate how this off season went in a lot of ways, but to, to say it, it was, you know, to, to say they pay, overpaid for him is kind of missing the point in my opinion. Um, and you know, we, the, the Dalton stuff, we've already talked about it. I think it was intentional. They didn't want a backup veteran quarterback. They, they, made they that, wanted their well, young room.
0: Yeah. They made it quite clear.
1: Yeah, so I don't think that, I don't think that was um, – you can criticize that plan, but I don't think it would have gone any other way had they cut Dalton earlier. I don't think they wanted to sign a veteran backup quarterback regardless of, of the situation with Andy Dalton. Um, and then the Warford stuff, obviously replacing Michael Jordan would seem to make a lot of sense uh, with Larry Warford if you could do it. But I think from what we've heard so far from the Bengals, it doesn't sound like they're uh, hugely motivated to bring on another, another lineman.
0: Yeah, I I, I I don't either, unfortunately. Um, like I said, I think it'd be a great scenario just because it gives that that rookie left tackle and Jonah Williams a nice veteran buffer who's been a Pro Bowl caliber player who still isn't. Larry's only been in the league, but seven years, so it's not like we're talking about a 12-year veteran who's long in the, completely long in the tooth. Um, uh, he's going to land somewhere and be a productive player probably and start. I, I wouldn't mind it being Cincinnati. Again, you also have to look at the money of – you may see some cap space now, but then is that cap space what they're allocating for Joe Mixon for AJ Green? Um, you know they've got a couple other spots on the roster as well. So um, the one thing I, I got to give them credit for, Rick, in the off season, and, and again I'm, I think you and I are splitting hairs a little bit with the reader and the Waynes and that. I, I your point is well taken. Um, I just go back to the point of it just feels like you overpaid, but like I said, they, they this off season it, they 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 had intentional targets. And while I would have liked to have seen some money freed up to go get a linebacker, I think they realize the top tier guys, we're not going to be able to pay for them. Let's we, we need this, 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 and this. Josh Bynes was just a, a body signing. He needed a guy. he's played in the league and had a, a moderate level of success. And then in the draft, it was, okay, we think there's enough linebackers. We're going to get a couple guys in the draft. And I, th- I think that's for them. they felt to me for once in Bengals history, maybe. It's probably not once, but one of the few times in recent Bengals history, but there was a plan of attack. It wasn't piecemealed. It was, here's the guys we think we can get. And yeah, like to your point, we have to overpay a couple of them, but we want them. We want to plug those spots with them. And we think the draft is rich in these areas, and we feel like we can go address those areas in the draft. And whether the plan works out or not, I, I can't ding them for because it, it feels like there was actually a plan of attack. And back to Barwell's ranking, I mean – 12 isn't awful, right? That's a pretty nice ranking. Yeah, it's pretty solid, I think.
1: And, you know, looking at the rankings as I kind of went through them, I I feel like um, the the Bengals probably could have fallen anywhere from about 6th through 14th. I don't think there was a a lot of separation. I don't think they were probably in the top five. But after that, uh, you're really splitting hairs between a lot. I mean, because it's all – None of it matters right now. It all matters what happens right. in the season. How do these guys pan out? You could you could uh, look at it a bunch of different ways. I happen to respect Bill Barnwell. I think he does a, a really good job covering the NFL. So I do too. Yeah. I like reading his opinion on, on these things, and I thought 12 was was fair. And you mentioned the draft. He did like the Bengals draft, by the way, and, and I think it was notable that he seemed to like the T. Higgins pick and said with the organization retaining A.J. Green with the franchise tag – should quietly have one of the league's most exciting wideout cores to target in 2020, which I, I agree with. I think the wide receiver core could be great, and T. Higgins, because he's going to be such an afterthought when you've got A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd and and potentially others in the in the mix with them, he really could kind of have a, a soft landing spot with the Bengals to start his career.
0: Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I, I agree with that absolutely.
1: Commissioner Roger Goodell gave 32 NFL teams the go-ahead for limited reopenings on Tuesday as long as state and local municipalities allow them. The Bengals reopened their training facilities on Wednesday to non-player personnel with the exception of those receiving treatment and rehab from team athletic trainers. Some MLB, NBA, and NHL organizations have also opened up their doors. At the college level, the NCAA cleared the return of student athletes to campus in football, men's basketball, and women's basketball on June 1st through June 30th. Skinny, what do facilities opening back up mean for the return of sports? In your opinion,
0: it means it's just a baby step, Rick. That that that's all. I know, I know a lot of people have taken the quantum leap. That means that that we're turning the corner to having NBA and we're going to have college football and the NFL is going to play on time or play at all. I don't think any of this means anything. The college one's interesting to me because you do you are letting kids back on campus. It is voluntary, and you can probably put that in quotation. Right, I can't imagine if you don't show up with standing that makes you for your coach but yeah um that's a good first step but that doesn't mean we're gonna have an organized practice next week or june whatever june 15th or uh, july 3rd i mean we're not even close to that in the nfl i mean we are literally at the baby step stage of this game i mean i've seen some people take the quantum leap that means oh okay that means we're gonna have training camp on time i don't think it means any of that it doesn't mean we're not going to but I'm not ready to make that quantum leap. I think this is nothing more than just a baby step, that this is the part of the phasing in process for for all of us. I mean, travel restrictions are being lifted. Um, I think we all feel, I feel more comfortable going out now, to be quite honest with you. I think a lot of people do. I don't want to let my guard down. I don't want to be stupid. I don't want to not wash my hands after I go to the grocery or, you know, go, go somewhere. I don't want to do any of that. But Again, I think this is, this is baby steps, and that, that's at least a good thing to it, but I think we're still light years away from knowing when or if any of these seasons are going to be played. And
1: not to get too off track here, but I mean, do, we, do you think you really feel uh, safer going out now, or have we just hit fatigue with staying in at this point, too, where like, we don't care as much?
0: I'll, I'll be honest. I, I guess I never felt unsafe going out other than maybe the first week or two after the shutdown when it felt like, oh, my gosh, this is really critical. Um, but I also think we need to come to the realization. This is not the bubonic plague, man. You don't die instantly from getting this. A lot of people have gotten it and have recovered from it. I- I've told you personally. I think I had it back in February and recovered from it. That's my own personal belief. I don't have <laughs> quantum proof of that, but um, doctor Skinner, I had a lot of the symptoms for for a week, and um, uh, you know, I didn't have the tightness in my chest, but I had a weird dry cough. I had a weird fever for a couple of days. That really, I had the. Ch- I mean, it, it it just felt weird. It, you know, to me at the time, it felt. I, I got a cold, but it felt a little bit more than that, and it wasn't flu-like. So anyway, um,
1: I, I think everybody who's been sick in the last four months has said those exact words. <laughs>
0: yeah, but I've t- I, know, I know a couple of people who, um, that, that had pneumonia-like symptoms back in January a couple of different times, and they couldn't figure out what it was for those people. And you look back, yeah. and you're like, well, well, maybe they had it too. I think those first couple of weeks was, was a little nerve-wracking because we really didn't know, you know, If you get this, do you die? And Now you realize a lot of it, if you have underlying conditions, then yeah, you probably are not going to be very safe with this. But for the most part, if you're fairly healthy and certainly in the younger demographic, there's a really good chance if you get it, you will recover from it. So, and that's the part where this moving forward, I think there is a fear from some organizations. And I'll just, let's just use the the, the Reds as an example, because baseball, if it gets its head out of its ass, might be the first one to come back. If... On July 23rd, one of their players comes down with this. I don't think you can suddenly shut everything down. I, I, just, I, I think you have to get to the point of, okay, it's like, unfortunately, and I know this doesn't equate to it, he caught the flu. Let's make sure the people around him will test all of them. If they don't have any symptoms, then it's one guy. It's one player. Put him on the IL, quarantine him, get him away from everybody else, and move forward. My fear is, though, that the panic part will set in of, oh, my gosh, one guy's got to shut the sport down. I, I, I don't think you can do that. And I think the other thing that these these organizations are, are trying to come up with is how do you really do this without fans? I, I thought the Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith on um, on Wednesday talking about playing before fifteen or twenty thousand fans in Ohio Stadium. To me, how how are you going to how are you going to regulate that to your fan base? Who who's going to get priority tickets? Is, well, is it going to come down now to where suddenly you're going to have to be? A huge, huge donor, despite the fact you've been a 40 year season ticket holder and you've sat here, you're lower on the priority level. I guess that's what they're going to do, Rick. I I mean, I want to know the logistics of that too, to be honest with you.
1: Look, maybe it's because they're close in proximity to us that I just want to believe they're rational enough that they're not going to be killing anybody over these Ohio State tickets next year. But I'm telling you right now, down in Alabama and Auburn, if you're having to decide who gets the primo seats out of the 20,000 of your billions of fans, uh, those people will kill each other. I mean, just flat out, no, there yeah. will be someone that ends up dead over college football tickets.
0: Yeah. No question. I, I, that's the part. That's the other logistical part to me. I don't <laughs> know how that's going to work at all. You know, the whole 15 to 20,000 NFL, you know, play before 15 to 20,000 fans. How's that going to work in Lambeau? How's that going to work in, in Pittsburgh? How's that going to work in, in, in some of these, these places where, I mean, it is their football team is life and death for them. I, well,
1: And, I mean, heck, getting an assaulted at an NFL stadium is, like, just a common occurrence on a Sunday anyway. That happens at half <laughs> the uh, stadiums across the league as it is. So who knows what will happen that, that, if that's uh, a you've got people fighting over who's allowed to go inside.
0: I do want to say this that there's a story I put up on our website today. Actually, right before we did this podcast on Thursday, and I found it fascinating. It was an Associated Press story, and and I would invite people to go to it just to look at the photo because it 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 blew me away. Rick, it, it, it the, the story is lessons from 1918. Old pandemic is a murky guide for sports returning, and it basically talks about after the Spanish flu pandemic of of that uh, of that era how people were coming out of the war, they were starved for sports and they were starved for college football. And college football was starting to, to ramp up. People were really starting to get interested in college football. And, and yet they, they started the sport and kind of had to, to shut it down in a lot of places because of that. And there's a great picture from a Georgia Tech game in 1918. It shows, shows people um, wearing masks at the game. Wow. Uh, you know, it, it, it just blew me away to think that, okay, that, that probably didn't feel normal then. It's probably not going to feel normal now. But now looking at it, you're like, well okay they they actually did that there's there's some distance in the rows between each other they were able to pull it off but that's also 1918 where you didn't have 80,000 and 100,000 people going to, to many football games and buying season tickets you have that now so i want, how's that going to work well and the funny part of it is going to be when there's 250
1: 300,000 people at one of these SEC tailgates all you know crowded together and then only you know, a small percentage of them walk into the stadium, but it's like, what good is that really doing? It, it's, it's it's taking like a petri dish, yeah, it's taking the onus off of the the school, I guess, for allowing them inside the the facility. But like, in terms of actual public health, it's not really solving a whole lot because I can't imagine you're gonna. I don't know if you saw a uh, Jeep Week, the uh, little news hit from Jeep Week wherever that was in Texas. I did. Did you not. see that? There was a viral clip going. If you haven't seen it, just look at just search Jeep Week. Um and you will see this clip where there's these, you know, just fat rednecks yelling about how they're not scared of coronavirus because it's Jeep Week and they're gonna get drunk and whatever. And they asked the sheriff, like, how do you control social they had arrested eighty people, none of them for like social distancing rules or anything to do with coronavirus? And they asked him how does he police the social distancing because it doesn't look like they were doing much of that and uh he said you just can't and he shakes his head right. with these people. Right. and it's like i mean that's how it's going to be in the sec too for football games so i don't know i mean it's really going to be interesting to see how this all shakes down uh, the one thing you know we we're talking about the nfl reopening to non-player personnel the one thing i don't understand about that at all and, I, and look i understand most of these guys are millionaires they have training facilities at their houses or whatever, but some of like the guys who are rookies who just got drafted are staying at like the banks, you know, so like just the apartments or uh, condos there. So it's like not all of these guys have a great private facility to be working out at. Am I going to be going to crunch fitness with bangles next week? I mean, cause they're opening might, up like gyms are around. Is, wouldn't it be safer for these guys to be working out in the professional world-class facilities with only their teammates, as opposed to showing up at a uh, 24 hour access public facilities around
0: town? He, I, I, yes, I, to answer your question. Yes. I think the problem is, is while the NFL did open its facilities to non-personnel and all that, there are still some States that aren't allowing even those people into those facilities. Some of those are state regulations too. The NFL can say, Hey, we're opening up, but States, some States, New York, California can say, no, you're still not going there because we're not opening this up yet. Now, you know, eventually but, they, they will and do. So hear, hear me out. So I think for the NFL, it's the reason they're not doing players is not everybody's on the same, same playing field with that. Competitive so advantage? They, yes, correct. You know, if 20 teams can get their guys in and 12 can't or 10 can't, whatever, then you feel like that team's got a competitive advantage or disadvantage over the next. And I think that's where the NFL is trying to make sure until every state is opened up, we're not opening our facilities to, to anybody other than, than basically business people. I get that.
1: And to get back to the root of our question, then it does feel like this doesn't mean a whole lot then for the return of sports at this point. I mean, in terms of them actually being played, I will say uh, California announcing the fact that they will allow professional sports to be played is a big, big hurdle to overcome because I didn't think that was going to happen in time for the fall. At all, I
0: didn't. Uh, I, I didn't either. I'm with you. I did, especially after that that ruling from the California State uh, College system of of not opening in the fall. Um, that seemed to me like, oh my gosh, you know, that's going to also affect USC and UCLA, even though they're not part of the, the state college system. And it's certainly going to affect the the Chargers and the Rams and the Dodgers and the Giants and the whoever else you want to. And then it's kind of flipped on that regard. So yeah, I, I agree with you on that. All
1: right, Skinny. Let's uh, switch to something a little more upbeat here. Chad Johnson was more than happy to dine in at Havana's Cuban Cuisine on. Monday with restaurants allowed to reopen in Broward County and Miami Dade County. The former Bengal star left a $1,000 tip on a bill for $37 and 40 cents writing on the check. Congrats on reopening. Sorry about the pandemic. Hope this helps. I love you. Aside from this, uh, continuing the Chad Johnson trend of just, uh, being the most lovable former Bengal of all time. All of a sudden, what has been your quarantine tipping philosophy?
0: Yeah, it's not just quarantine tipping philosophy that made me think about this too, Rick. i I, I just want to know about tipping protocols. I'm, I'm going to ask you a question because, because okay. I, I, got, I got carry out um, the other day from a, from a, I'm not going to name the restaurant because it, uh, it, it took longer to get the order than than they told me, so I was not exactly <laughs> pleased. I didn't, I didn't no let my it. displeasure out, but I did, but I did tip the the person that walked the 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 food out. I gave the the normal twenty percent for me. I'm a twenty twenty five percent guy usually, um, especially at restaurants. So, what is the protocol though in general of tipping? So, like, if you go get a pizza from La Rose's and you go pick it up, do you tip? And if it's not quarantine, no. Okay, I'm not quarantine.
1: I, look, yes, quarantine. I have been because I feel like those people one are taking a risk just by even being open for us and, and being there. So I want two, their business is being hurt because you know they're yes. losing a percentage of sales. So I want to try to help out in that regard. And uh, three. It just all like the individual workers, you know what I mean, like if they're not getting t- like some of those people might be servers or they're not getting tips or delivery drivers or whoever uh, you want to try to to help them out in that regard. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah I, during quarantine, I have been tipping everywhere and trying to tip more than I normally would for that reason. Um well, I'll dur- tell you normally I, I, during I, pickup, I, I feel like no because the whole idea of of uh, at that point, it's a drive through. I mean, I'm not like if I'm going to pick up a pizza myself, it's a drive through. I'm tipping the I driver agree. because he's delivering a
0: service. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good call. So next week I, I'm, I'm going to finally get my haircut. I, I cut it myself back in early April, but it's grown out again and it's just, it's driving me crazy. And I think Tuesday's the day that, that hair places are opening. Um, so I'm going to try to get my haircut Tuesday. Normally my haircut costs 17 bucks or maybe it's 18 bucks, whatever. And I usually tip $5. I think this time I'll end up tipping probably double. I'll probably tip 10 bucks because usually I get a haircut a month. So I feel like I've missed a haircut in there. And so I'm going to tip tip double for that so I think for some of that kind of stuff I I think I think tipping doubles called for look if if you haven't gotten a haircut for two months and you usually get it every month give her you know she missed a haircut on you Give, give it give it double I don't know if you need to give a whole lot more than that I mean I only missed one haircut. It's not like I missed 10. I missed one. So I'm going to tip you for the one I missed. Um, So I'll I'll probably tip double there. How about you?
1: I think a good policy to always maintain is that like, especially right now, you're not going to be in trouble if you're just tipping well, like you normally would, you know, tip your, whatever your percentage is that you normally would do what's expected normally, and you'll be fine right now. However, if you have the means to help somebody out and, and go a little extra do what you can. I mean, for Chad Johnson, that's a thousand dollars for me. That's probably not going to happen, but, uh, but you know, I am trying to tip more have a couple of my favorite places. I might've done, you know, a hundred percent on a couple of the bills that were, you know, you go and get dinner for 20 bucks and you tip them 20 bucks. Like that's some of your favorite, f- favorite places. You try to help them out a little bit. I think that's uh pretty, pretty standard. I think I've seen a lot of people doing that type of thing around that has been, that can be one of the good things about crises like this, I guess, is that, you do see some of the good in human nature too when people band together and try to help each other out a little bit. I mean, even our guy Chad Brendel did a real nice uh, pizza drive with uh, one of the local pizza joints for yes, all the, he did. the yep. hospitals around UC, which I I thought that turned out really well. And was I really thought it did
0: cool. too. I thought it was very cool. I, I agree with you. No, I, I'm with you. I, I think, I think, you know, you tipping your normal amount is, is fine, but I I think you're right. If you can go a little bit above and beyond, uh, that, I think that's, a, that, that should be done. And look, most of us, probably grew up working some kind of service job at some point or, or some kind of job where it might've been college or early in your life where you worked on tips. And so hopefully you understand how that feels. Um, I didn't, I, I don't, I think the only job I ever worked out was that I got a tip was the, it was a very menial tip job I was working at Johnny's car wash and you'd get a dollar if you drove the car out and didn't feel like you were getting a lot of money. It was a little extra pocket change, but I do, I have a, a good friend of mine that was a long time and I think he still is a sky cap at the airport. Um, and he lives on tips and has made a career out of it and made a very good career out of it. And I'm, I feel for him right now because I'm thinking, man, what, what, he, what is he doing? So uh, yeah, if you can help guy people out, I I, I think what Chad did was great. I, I think Chad grandstands a lot of times, but I also think it was a very nice gesture too.
1: Well, it's funny because Chad, you know, a lot of people I think were kind of fed up with his act once he, he was, done with his career in Cincinnati and there was kind of a lot of Bengals fans that were like good riddance and, and just as many and me among them by the way that loved the guy and never wavered on that but there were there was a growing opinion of kind of like I mean enough of him you know let's move on to people are focused on winning or he's he's a distraction or whatever else uh, but I think as time has gone on especially recently with all the stuff he's been doing with Joe Burrow and all that uh, the public opinion of Ch- Chad Johnson seems like it's gone back to a uh, Really high approval rating, somewhere in the 90 to 100% <laughs> uh, realm, it seems like. Uh, I saw the Bengals send him a box of cigars to just say thank you for, uh, for pumping us up on social media a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I, 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 like I said, I think he grandstands a little bit with some of that, but you know what? He also did it, so good for him.
1: Yeah, what's, what's your opinion on that? I saw a lot of people commenting on that because uh, he took the picture of it and posted it on social media himself. Uh, saying like, hey, I did this type of thing. Um, and everyone being like, you know, why'd you have to take the picture of it? What is your opinion on that? Do you, Does it bother you when people take pictures and post their good deeds on social media? Or are you okay with it?
0: it? It doesn't bother me. But I think sometimes if you really just want to do the good deed, just do the good deed and nobody else needs to know about it. The other thing though is, and I'll do the flip side, and I'm probably playing devil's advocate with myself, is if that inspires somebody else, like you said, that on a $20 check to to double that because that's what they can afford and they feel right doing it, then good. Maybe that did inspire some people to say, listen, hey, this guy gave a pretty good chunk of change on a very menial bill. I could the least I can do is give 50% of that bill or maybe once in a while, give 100% of that bill till we get back to some level of normal. So if it does spark that, then good. I just, I think sometimes, like I said, there's, there's some grandstanding involved.
1: There is 100%. And that was always my opinion when I was younger. Is just like, well, oh, if you're really gonna, doing a good deed, you don't, you don't need to be noticed for it. You, know, you don't need to be thanked for it or whatever and thought that that was like kind of just a Bush League thing to do. Uh, but as I've gotten older, I've come to realize that, especially if you have a public platform, if you are a celebrity, a media member, uh, um, an athlete, whatever, where you know, certain people will follow you and, and notice this type of thing, I've completely done a 180 on it and think it's totally worth it to post it because making kindness and, and things like that cool or in the public eye is better than the alternative. You know, you know what I mean? Like it's better than posting uh, you know, bottles of alcohol or whatever else, which is fine if you want to do that too. Like I have no issue with that either, but it's like it is more productive to post these things and potentially influence a young kid who sees that to think like, hey, it's, it's cool to give back. And uh, I I used to have a total opposite opinion on that. But now I kind of look at it as like, it makes sense that, you know, if people are constantly criticizing the way you use your platform or things you say or whatever, that uh, you would think, hey, maybe I should show the good I do too.
0: Yeah, and, it, you know, as we just talked about, if that makes somebody say, you know what, I can afford $20 on a $20 bill, or maybe I can slip them 100 because I, I wanted to track that day, and it, it feels like the right thing to do, and I got a little extra money in my pocket, then good. If you inspired people to do that, that that's, that's great. I, I, yeah, that part doesn't bother me. Again, there still is a little bit of grandstanding of that, too.
1: Well, and there's so much FOMO in this country too. Like I mean, you see it just with I don't I don't know if you're on Facebook enough. I have to do it with work every night obviously. So, I'm on there to see it and the avatar thing that happened over the course of like 48 hours where it seemed like everyone on Facebook had made one of these little avatar characters of themselves because they saw somebody else on their feed doing it. It's amazing how much like people just can't resist doing something once they've seen someone else post it on social media. So in that regard, I mean, this stuff does, we call it going viral for a reason, you know? I mean, that, it really yeah. does spread quickly, so.
0: yeah, sheep, right. also follow, sheep also follow each other off of cliffs too. So no
1: it. doubt, my man, it goes both ways. It ain't always good. All right, the last two episodes of the 10-part documentary about the 1997-98 Chicago Bulls shown over the past five Sunday nights averaged 5.9 million viewers, the Nielsen Company said, making it easily the highest-rated documentary project ever for the Sports Network. What were your final takeaways from the last Dance Chicago Bulls documentary?
0: Right, I, got, I got a couple of three, and I'll probably miss one. I, I think Michael Jordan's full of <laughs> for starters, and I did say that word. I'm sorry I said that word. That, that whole pizza thing, you got to be kidding me, man. You... Yeah. You know what, you know what you had on that? You had 12 Hennessy's too many is what you had. That, 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 that was, that's, that's what the issue was. Come on, bro. So, I well,
1: mean, I mean, like, well, let me set the scene too. Cause I'm watching the, the documentary here at uh, my house and I, I tweet, you know, come on with this food poisoning nonsense. And immediately my phone rings and you're on the other end, not very happy about the situation. <laughs> I'm not buying this BS.
0: Well, look, I, I, I want to play the scenario. Now, obviously, um, uh, supposedly the guy who's, who said he delivered the pizza uh, kind of outed himself and, and said that um, he wanted to make sure he, – he said it's bull, bull crap too, that, that it wasn't poisoned and blah, blah, blah. But I, I, I think that guy's full of crap too because I don't think he delivered the pizza. Do you really think that Michael Jordan in Salt Lake City is going to call up a pizza hut and go, I got an order from Michael Jordan with the Chicago Bulls? Or do you think he's going to come up, make up some name? I'm, I'm Fred Johnson and I'm in room – 807 or i'm in the the master suite however you want to do it there's no way anybody knew who they were delivering that pizza to no way right first of all you think michael jordan is calling up
1: and ordering the pizza no Correct. somebody else is doing it and do you think right. they're being like well this is for michael jordan no i mean come on. that makes absolutely there's zero chance that's what happened i'm not gonna 1000 percent say he was hung over but i know for a fact he wasn't food poisoned on pizza and if he was if that was the story why did it take to just now for that like full detail to come out when there really wasn't much of a story to
0: it dude you know what it's okay if you had 12 hennessy's too many and then decided to call and order a pizza at that point and the hennessy's with the pizza on top of it made you sick that's okay you You, still got 45 or whatever it was yes yes you still were the man that night i mean that even make that would make it better. You're not gonna hurt your image. You're really not. You're gonna hurt your image by being a liar. And then you know, I, I think the one thing about Michael out of out of all this that came out is is it, it still was fascinating to hear him talk, and it was still fascinating to watch those old clips and, and some of the some of the small behind the scenes stuff. I thought was interesting. Um, but I also think Michael is a complete BSer on top of a BSer, which makes me then wonder about the whole retirement it just it brings up the credibility the whole thing smacks back at the credibility issue that he makes up stories about people to motivate himself and then has to tell those stories i i'm sorry man it i i thought his credibility took a hit i still thought it was great i enjoyed it It was fascinating um i i just think that that i i I don't i don't believe a lot of things that a lot of people say to be honest with
1: you think about the fact that his credibility took a hit in your opinion despite the fact that this was a documentary put out by his people right, that he had right. final say on. right, And it still, his credibility still took a hit. Think about what it would have looked like if this was a totally unbiased documentary. I mean, did you see, like, the comments from Robert Parrish that came out? I did, and I saw the horse Grant comments, which I know a lot of yeah. people did, I didn't see what did Parrish say. So the Robert Parrish comments were really interesting, and it's something that I think a lot about because um, in our country, it's – it's the same thing with like Kobe and Jordan. And, you know, I don't want to get political, but there's, there's comparisons to be drawn there as well, where we love people who are jerks just because we're a bunch of nerds who want to be associated with their success. Right. And it doesn't matter how bad of people they were like um, the, the Apple guy, right? Like everyone said he was just terrible. And it became cool in Silicon Valley to be like a jerk to your employees because he was successful and you follow his lead Uh, and everyone has, has kind of done that with athletes in the case of Jordan and and Kobe and Robert Parrish basically said like, he wasn't a good leader. He tried to do that BS to me when, when we became teammates. And he said, I told him like, I'm not enamored with you. Like these guys are, I've played with other champions. I've got a couple of rings myself. And he said that Larry bird was a much better leader because he really cared about his teammates. He knew him well. He was, normal he was in the everyman and you know he's like if if you were playing well he he might give it back to you and push you a little bit more if you were playing bad he was going to be there to kind of pump you up and uh, or just say nothing to you because he knew that you just needed to be left alone that day and and he said you know he would take Larry Bird over Jordan as a leader without question and I, I think you can be a great leader and be a jerk no one is saying otherwise. Like Michael Jordan was obviously a great leader while still being a jerk. I think the confusion comes in where people try to make it out to be like he was the greatest of all time because he was a jerk. You can still be a great leader while not being a jerk. Like that, Those things aren't tied together. And I yeah, think that it, gets missed a lot of times.
0: And he was able to be a great leader because he was such a great player. That, that sometimes right. doesn't mean That's you're why a great he leader. Was a leader. He it, scared it just was, people into being good. Well, and there was also times where he didn't need anybody else to lead. He just took over and said, I'm going to do this myself. And sometimes that is being a leader, but it also isn't leading other people. It's just going, I'm the best on the floor to hell with it. I, I mean, I, I love the Rodman thing, and it, it's, it's the, the, the last shot, the, the argument will push off on Brian Russell where he said, he won't pass that damn ball. Well, he shouldn't have A. He should have taken the shot, which he did, but, um, but he was good enough to do those kind of things. So I think sometimes leadership gets confused there too. That uh, Sometimes
1: they're just really good.
0: Sometimes you're just really good, yes. And, and that's not leading. That's just being the best guy out there and playing like it. And I think he did that a lot of times. But
1: I, I think the argument – there's an argument to be made, like Steve Kerr maybe doesn't end up being a Steve Kerr-type player if he doesn't have Michael Jordan kind of bringing him along. You know, I think, like, like there yeah. is something to Michael Jordan pushing those guys along, in my opinion. And I don't, I don't totally discredit that. I think he did that for sure. But, like, I th- – like I saw this with Xavier when I was first covering, when I first came on the beat, the kind of the leaders of the locker room were guys like two Holloway, Mark Lyons before that had been Jordan Crawford for a year. It kind of maybe set the tone for some of it. And those teams were pretty good. You know, they made a sweet 16 run at one point. They were ranked top 10 in the country before the kind of the whole brawl thing happened that one year. But like those guys during practice scared their teammates a little bit into to tr- focusing, you know what I mean? Like that, Sometimes it raised the level of the guys because they were a little bit worried to make mistakes around two because he was good and he wasn't going to accept your mistakes. And same thing with Mark. Um, But as soon as those guys left, it also graduated um, in the case of two and Mark transferred to Arizona. It also kind of felt like there was a little bit of a weight lifted off the other players' shoulders who were left and, and kind of a new leadership style took over where, guys seem to get along a lot better and it wasn't, you know, it was more of like talking each other up and and positive reinforcement as opposed to the, the, uh, Michael Jordan calling Scott Borrella ho, you know what I mean? Like, and I think they're both can work. It doesn't mean you can't be a great leader while being a jerk, but you don't have to be a jerk to be a great leader, I think is the point. And I, I think that gets missed a lot when people tell the narrative Jordan, like, they think he was the greatest because he was such a bad guy to his teammates. And I don't think that's true at all. No, he was the greatest because of his skill set <laughs> right. and, and his drive. I mean, there's no question he was a driven Yeah, coach, his competitive nature yeah. is everything to him. I totally understand that, but it doesn't necessarily make him the best leader
0: the other couple of things i don't remember dennis rodman going to the wwe after the one final i just don't after oh the that one was game. just
1: unbelievable i remember At that could
0: t- you imagine if social that's what i kept coming oh, back to em- right. This. right social media right. was around for all of this heads would be exploding every yes. five minutes no question no question and then you and i actually traded a couple of uh texts during the the one episode <laughs> those pace those pacers teams that pacer team that took them to seven games was really 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 good and Reggie Miller was really, really, really good.
1: Well, I've I made the comment to a couple of people, you included, that Reggie Miller would be up for MVP every year if he played in today's NBA. Can
0: you they imagine just, spacing like a, for him?
1: Yeah, six eight Steph Curry essentially. <laughs> I mean, because if they didn't use shooters like that back then. They didn't shoot enough. They didn't understand the basic math of how valuable that shot was if you could hit it at the percentage like Reggie Miller could hit it at. If he played in today's NBA, I mean, same thing with a guy like Steve Nash. Steve Nash just missed that era. If he would have been in today's NBA where they were shooting all these threes, who knows? I mean, like maybe he would have been the best point guard of all time Um, you know, and and clearly instead of John Stockton. I I said the same thing about John Stockton. I think he'd be really good in today's NBA. He wasn't quite the shooter, definitely not the shooter those guys were, but he still shot 38% for his career from three, uh, and he only attempted like two under two a game. Right, right. It's like if he played in today's NBA game, his shooting would be valued so much more, and he was outstanding in ball screens, which is all today's systems are pretty much, is just using ball screens nonstop and throwing lobs up.
0: Yeah. Well, the other, the other one too, is the, the, the jazz guy, I, mean, I remember it happened The jazz getting held to the 52 or 54 points. I, it just, it's stunning to me to think that that could actually happen um, to any team, let alone a, t- a team in the finals. But I thought some of the footage I really liked was the, the one game um, might have been the, 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 the last game, um, when he hit those shot against Brian Russell of just how much they were beating Jordan up coming down the floor. I mean, it was, I mean, it was a, it was a rock fight. I mean, again, it was a different game then, but it was a rock fight, man.
1: Yeah. That whole series was, I mean, when the jazz were good there for a while, it was just an ugly NBA to watch because I remember the the Spurs kept losing to them in the Western conference finals there in the mid nineties. And I was a big Spurs fan. It was just like those games, were so hard to watch with the plodding Spurs coming up and down the court, and uh, the the Jazz just fighting them with, like you said, rocks well, the entire time.
0: Well, in that '98 final, I mean, look at all the final scores. I mean, did anything? I mean, hell, you yeah, had the one game went to overtime. Was what 88-85, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> not even breaking 100 in
1: overtime. Right, not even breaking 90. Right. Yeah, that was not not pretty basketball. Just a totally different style, and I, I don't think uh, I think it has changed for the better. In my opinion, I think there are. Th- Tweaks we could make to maybe uh, tilt the scales back in that direction a little bit, maybe include a little more dunking and inside play. Uh, But it's definitely a prettier game with all the ball movement and shooting and fast play.
0: Yeah, the only thing I give me the hand check back. That's the only thing I want. Let me have the hand check.
1: <laughs> well, I thought when you said we were exchanging texts, I thought you were going to bring up the fact that Jordan said he was going to take a charge.
0: Well, yeah, and in retrospect, I think it was somebody. It might have been Pippin. So I thought that was Michael that said it because it was at the bottom of the screen and they both had their head down, you really didn't clearly see who said, "I'm going to take the I'll be ready to take the charge." So in retrospect, was that Jordan or was that Pippin that said that?
1: I don't know. You were the one that was, I don't get excited about Charge Talk. That was yeah, you. I was excited about it. I
0: was excited. I thought it was Michael. And then I, I watched it again last night, actually. It was on late, and I was I just was flipping around. And you know I, who, I looked at you me know like You know who would do that? Did Michael sing.
1: The cuck Scotty, Scotty Pippen. He would be the type of guy wanting to take a charge in that situation. Even, Mike's the one who's going to make a play on the ball. Just even saying. with
0: even with the bad back and Mike did make the play on the ball, came from right. the weak side and took it away. Which is from, always from the alone. better
1: option than being a parking can and trying to take a charge. Scotty said he was going to take it. Or one of them said
0: they were going to take it. I don't know which. So well,
1: It would make sense if it was Scotty because he's the type of guy that took a lot of things, including Charles Oakley smacking him in the face.
0: Yeah. You, I mean, do you have any other takeaways from it? I know a big one nationally was just how bad it made Scotty Pippen look or how bad Jordan made Scotty Pippen look. Did. I, did you think he made him look bad, bad, or just... I didn't think so, because all I, I heard, either. all I got the entire documentary was
1: people yelling at me when I was saying that Scottie Pippen was overrated. I mean, they, they had that second episode about Scottie Pippen where it did nothing but praise how great he was, and everyone told me, look, he's a top 10 player of all time. You're crazy. And I'm like, I'm, you, you're king, not mine. I don't
0: know what to say other than that. Yeah, I mean, do you have any other takeaways from the, from the episodes and, and from the thing itself?
1: Uh, no, I thought, you know, I thought they finished it. Okay. I thought they did a decent job of wrapping it up. The final two weekends were, were probably the best two weekends. In my opinion, I thought the, uh, the, the story about Steve Kerr's dad, somehow I didn't know that.
0: Oh, you didn't. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I didn't right. know that. Like, I mean, I knew like sort of that, you know, his dad died or whatever, but I did not know the full story and I didn't sort of real, you know the, them tying that story together and telling that i thought was really good and then you had mentioned um his his uh security guard gus yes and how yeah. he had taken care of him and his family uh that was a neat story too i thought those were kind of the better the better sides of michael that you got to see throughout the documentary i liked i liked seeing both of those stories a lot
0: yeah no i i, I agree with that uh lastly uh, you know the whole thing of of the bulls breaking up after that year and and, and michael stepping away again I'll be honest with you, I don't know if they would have won a seventh there. I don't know if they would have won a fourth in a row because because I, I don't think Rodman was coming back. I, I just I think Rodman had checked out of basketball at that point. I know he came back and played for other teams, but it felt like Rodman was was trending towards getting off the cliff, for lack of a better term.
1: Well, I don't disagree with you there, but I still don't know that Michael Jordan and Tony Kukoc and Scottie Pippen and I like I. I don't know. I think they still have a good, good chance. You got Michael Jordan on your team. You still got a good chance to win the championship yeah. no matter what. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah Although, I-, uh,
1: I did see the story from J.A. Adande that didn't mention how Jordan had cut his fingertip on a cigar cutter, apparently, that offseason. And that when he tried to play a like uh, some celebrity golf tournament or something that fall, he couldn't even grip a golf club. Wow. And, I, but, I, so, like, yeah, that, that there were going to be major concerns about, like, his recovery and how soon he could get back and whether, you know, whether a shot would be there by uh, for the season or not. So, yeah, that was interesting. I never knew that story. That, and that had nothing to do with documentary. That was just something on Twitter that J.A. Adande had posted.
0: Michael might have been good enough to come back left-handed. No,
1: you might not be wrong. <laughs> yeah, Especially since they weren't shooting a whole lot of threes back then.
0: That's a good point. I, I will say, overall – um, I, it was it was it, I, I had to watch every week. it was must watch for me, so
1: yeah i th- I mean I thought it was really good for the most part again i I didn't like the uh jumping around in the documentary. I thought it could have been edited better. if it would have been an independent source, I thought there could have been a, a yeah. more, some more interesting angles more thoroughly vetted uh, but overall, I mean, it was quality television i and I also realized that for our age group you know people who were around for all of this stuff i was a little bit younger but i still was coherent enough to know it was all going on i was a huge sports fan um but for the younger generation who has really kind of just grown up on maybe space jam and the mystique of the jordan brand i think all of this stuff was totally new to them and really blew their minds like i think jordan brand is going to see a huge resurgence here Uh, with some of the younger generation who had kind of gotten away while it's still popular. The shoes don't have the popularity now that they did with like my generation when we were in our teens and twenties. So I think you're going to see a major comeback with Jordan gear.
0: Yeah. The one thing about Michael at the end of the day was he was kind of the first sports star, in my opinion, that just transcended everything. And that includes magic and Larry and magic and Larry, they had their Converse shoes in the 80s, but they transcend sports. OJ was close, but OJ also played in Buffalo, and you just didn't really pay a lot of attention. Now, he did a lot of commercials. He did some acting, but he still wasn't on the realm of, of Michael. Um, no one will ever have the brand
1: the way Do- Michael did.
0: Dr. J could have been if Dr. J had played in, a, in an era with more television, in my opinion, because Dr. J had everything. I mean, he was – the first kind of flamboyant dunker and he had the giant Afro and and he was very well-spoken and he was very polished at a lot of things. I think Dr. J could have been, but it really, I think until Michael you hadn't had that. Michael was like the first guy that was literally a brand. Michael was a brand. OJ was kind of, sort of, I call OJ more of a spokesman than a brand um, for for the commercials he did, Hertz and, and, and the others. Um, I guess Arnold Palmer, but again, it's golf. It's it's not a complete mainstream sport. Arnold was kind of a brand, uh, but not like Michael was. Michael, to me, was the first sports star that really literally was a brand.
1: And I don't think – I mean, no one has come close since him of, of touching that brand, and I don't think we'll see anyone – do it ever again. And I don't know why Le- 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 exactly Le- Le- that is.
0: Yeah, LeBron's close,
1: right? But but, but not but, real. Like his yeah. We've never had the gear, the logo, like his shoes have never been like a fashion icon no, you're thing right. that people wear out to clubs. And I mean like Jordan's brand is so iconic and so beyond athletes and basketball that I just don't know that we'll ever because I don't know that we'll ever see brands build around one athlete like that again. I think they all Kind of, it's all more niche marketing now. They've got too many athletes that they sponsor, so they're developing storylines around all of them. Um, And I don't, you know, I mean, like even LeBron, who has kind of separated himself, I think social media is so polarizing that they don't want to put all their eggs in one one athlete's basket anymore because almost every athlete is 50 50 at this point. Like even LeBron James, who's the best of this era, clearly is i mean 50 50 at best i mean in fact more people might hate him on social media than like him so i don't think he moves products the same way that jordan did who was like universally loved except for in new york and like maybe indianapolis at the time
0: yeah the the the, the other part to it um for me um with with looking at, at michael's career and, and and what transpired from it is uh, you just i i just I don't know if people realized until they saw this, that younger generation of just how good that cat was. I I don't, I did. I knew it from a long time. He was really, really good.
1: I have always known it. And I think the one thing of viewing this documentary again did is it reinforced my opinion of how good he'd be in today's era. Yeah. Because you see just how stupid – I mean, we knew how stupid athletic he was, but even by today's standards, it's still eye-popping. You know, you're he, still like, wow, he'd and, be one of the rare athletes in today's game too.
0: And, Rick, he would have made himself into not a good three-point shooter. He'd have made himself into a great three-point shooter. He would yep. have.
1: Yeah, no question about that. I mean, he shot it well enough by the end of his career that that's yes. obvious. If they would have yes. valued the three-point shot in that way, he totally would have done that. I mean, he, he – he, He transitioned his game so perfectly throughout his career in a way that I don't know any other athlete has been able to do as they aged.
0: Yeah. By the way, uh, you know, what what could have been for the big bowler brand, right? I mean, that could have been a brand, if only. If If only.
1: LaMelo is still out there, Skinny. Don't, That's a good
0: point. I, I should. You're right. I shouldn't sell it short.
1: Yeah, it, we've still got a chance for a resurgence here, and I'm counting yeah. on it. Personally. All, right. All right. ESPN hopes to make Sunday night documentary watching a habit among its viewers. In the next month, the network has scheduled films about disgraced cyclist Lance Armstrong, martial arts star Bruce, Bruce Lee, and the 1998 home run race between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Do you think any of those three documentaries have a chance to be as good or even close to as good as The Last Dance?
0: I, I don't. Um, the Bruce Lee one to me is interesting. Um, I just love Bwatta, my friend. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but I love. I love that commercial for it. Uh, I, Lance Armstrong, I have no interest in. I, I just zero. I, I, I have none. Absolutely zero interest in that. And honestly, um, the Sosa McGuire that 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 that's talking about the summer of baseball kind of. Coming back because of the long ball. I'm interested in it, but not quite like this because it just, it, it even felt back then like it was tainted. And then when we came to know that it really was tainted, it makes you now look back on that air and go, eh, great, good for you. You did it while you were tainted. Good.
1: Yeah, right. but I'm kind of yeah. interested to hear like, will we get some more? Stories from behind the scenes about that, like who knew? Yeah, it, it's the one that we're holding their breath about that coming out or that type of thing.
0: Yeah, it's the one I'm going to watch out of the three. I, I probably watch the Bruce Lee one too. I have zero interest in the Lance Armstrong one. I mean, I, I don't understand zero.
1: that decision to make that one. Like, I I don't think anyone cares at all to hear about Lance Armstrong right now, personally. It feel it feels like it's going to be excuse making. Yeah, uh, that's my
0: guess too. I I won't watch it at all. I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not either. I'm not either. But the, definitely the the Bruce Lee one. I'll watch just because he was you know such an interesting and it was that was when i was just a kid when he was uh, coming through the acting ranks um and then obviously died tragically way too young um but still a very fascinating guy and uh the, the baseball one just because i'm a baseball fan and i feels like that summer was just last summer to me you know in a lot of ways so i'll watch that one too
1: all right folks hit pause for a second if you uh, need to run to the bathroom or get a refreshment because uh, i've got a little bit of reading to do but we are making a return to our roots here it is time to do a little bit of ghost talk here on the Skinny oh, Podcast. Oh boy, oh boy. So uh, like I said, hit pause right now, get your drink, come back, and I'm gonna jump into reading this here. John E.L. Tenney, who describes himself as a paranormal researcher and is a former host of the TV show Ghost Talkers, estimates that he received two to five reports of a haunted house each month in 2019. Lately, it's been more like five to 10 in a week. So Skinny, I'm gonna read you three of the ghost stories that were cited in this article uh, included here with Mr. Tenney. And you tell me which three is the most unsettling of these ghost stories. Okay. Fire away. Madison Hill, 24 is riding out the pandemic with her boyfriend in her apartment in Florence, Italy. Miss Hill, a writer and teacher originally from Charlotte, North Carolina had always had her suspicions about her home, particularly the bathroom. There was the sense that someone was watching her door slamming towels inexplicably on the floor. A few weeks ago in quarantine, she woke up to find something on her nightstand that did not belong there. It was a camera lens, one she'd brought from the United States but lost when she moved in. She had long given up on ever finding it, but here it was. Since then, other small objects, including a set of keys, have moved to strange new places inside her apartment. Janie Cowan believes she's been haunted since college. The ghost she calls Matthew, a good biblical name, chosen in the hopes it would keep him on his best behavior, explained Mrs. Cowan, who is 26, has historically made his presence known in her Nashville home through the sounds of someone running up and down the staircase at night. The noises are, quote, not like a house settling or like our cat walking around, said her husband, Will Cowan, a 31-year-old accountant. It's very clearly out to get attention. Around the same time the couple began to self-isolate in March, Mr. Cowan started to use their guest bathrooms so that his wife, a home health nurse who has been picking up more night shifts during the pandemic, could sleep in without the sounds of his morning routine disturbing her. He has found that Matthew, the ghost, who both spouses agree prefers Mrs. Cowan, doesn't seem to appreciate these changes. On three separate occasions, while showering in the guest bath, Mr. Cowan has been unexpectedly blasted with cold water but it wasn't just a quirk of the plumbing every time he said he reached out to find out that the hot water nozzle had been turned off and finally Carrie Dunlap shares a one bedroom apartment in the Ridgewood neighborhood of Queens with his girlfriend Alexandra Cole Mr. Dunlap a 31 year old teacher rapper and concert promoter hold
0: on let's talk about that that, for a second that's the most fascinating
1: one so far my man carrie dunlap who shares a one-bedroom apartment in the ridgewood neighborhood of queens is a teacher rapper and concert promoter at the age of 31 believes he met he first met their resident ghost last summer he saw her in the bathroom in the middle of the night wearing green scrubs standing an arm's length away from him she appeared to be glowing the woman vanished when she turned when he turned on the light Mr. Dunlap knew that, no, that one of the friends the couple is subleasing from had a spotted a ghost in the apartment. Both agreed they'd seen an older Asian woman of small stature. Mr. Dunlap and Miss Cole, a 27-year-old writer and editor, used to find themselves in a routine late-night tug-of-war over the two small comforter they shared. Several weeks ago, Mr. Dunlap woke late at night to the sensation of what he assumed was Miss Cole adjusting the blanket at his feet to spread it evenly across the bed. When the movement stopped and he didn't feel his girlfriend climb into bed beside him, he called out to her. She didn't answer. Then she came back into the bedroom from the bathroom. It was so weird, dude, Mr. Dunlap said. It was so weird. So, Skinny, I ask you, which of three these three ghost run-ins is the worst? The ghost adjusting your uh, comforter at your feet when your girlfriend's uh, not in the room? The ghost who is misplacing things all around your house, like a camera lens that was lost months ago and new sets of keys,
0: or the ghost who is turning off your hot water while you're showering. Yeah. The ghost that's turning off the hot water. If it's true, I don't believe concert promoter guy. I think for a guy that's doesn't sound like he's doing all that well in his one bedroom shack or his his one room shack um, is trying to get his name out there. So I, I think he's full of crap. I think the other lady, I, I will tell you this. And I saw a thing on the news the other day about this, because I've, I've had it happen to me, and you may have too. And it's the whole, during this pandemic, I've had some really vivid dreams. I mean, like, vivid dreams. And somebody actually tried to explain that the other day on a newscast, because I guess it's, it's kind of a, a thing. And that's where I wonder, if for that lady, if maybe she's not putting things there and forgetting that she put them there or getting up in the middle of the night Thanks yeah. to a dream. I, I, don't, I don't know. The well, hot water one to me is a weird one because I, it, it, that just sounds weird.
1: Look, the, the lady is, is misplacing everything or, or finding all these new things. I don't know that's the quarantine getting to her or that's yes, right? marijuana. Like, I think yeah. maybe she should stop hitting the bong so often and she might remember where she put her keys <laughs> yeah, exactly. where she put her camera lens or the fact that she found it. I'm thinking that might be the case there. I'm with you. Carrie Dunlap, my man, the 31-year-old teacher, rapper, and concert promoter, he's doing this for clout. Like, he's not seeing ghosts. That's an obvious guy who's going to claim he saw a ghost. That's what you have to look for with ghost stories. A lot of them come from clout chasers, and you have to point that out first. I believe in ghosts. I think they're real, but I also think, like, 95% of stories about ghosts are fake because most people are pre pre uh determined to to do things like that no no question no question now uh,
0: making up stories now i can explain the hot water away too that maybe he's got a hot water heater issue too possibly right (laughs) yeah but he
1: says that it's not that he says it the, the the nozzle the the faucet has been turned off every time like the I hot know. water has been physically turned off which well it is, could also be yeah is, but is some loose can it get loose yeah, and that, it start that, turning that, itself
0: off is that possible? That's, that that that's what yes i think it is possible
1: i've never I, heard of that happening but I, I mean maybe i'll google it right now
0: yeah i, I think it is possible but if, if it is a ghost his is the scariest to me that the ghost is messing with your hot water
1: i'm googling can a water faucet turn itself off uh, it looks like there's mixed opinions as you'd <laughs> be surprised to hear on the internet. Yeah, shocking, shocking that you
0: went to the internet for answers and you got none.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't which, know. Which, which one's the scariest for you? I
0: I think if
1: there was, if it wasn't for the fact that we know the, the rapper promoter was clearly making it up. I think if I actually felt like someone adjusting my comforter or like moving my feet or something, I would be, most scared about that the hot water thing would just be annoying as hell like i'd want to fight that ghost i wouldn't be scared of him i'd be like bring your punk ass out here when i'm out of the shower and not naked and let's talk
0: let's fight man to man with my towel wrapped around me dude let's go
1: yeah yeah speaking of which i saw this um this question the other day uh, about leonardo dicaprio and the way he wears his towels in different movies where do you wrap your towel around is it around your waist around your stomach above your stomach where do you wrap it
0: Right about the stomach lining down. I, I usually don't do that though. When I go, I, I usually bring a t-shirt and and um, and underwear. And when I get done drying off, I slip you those just on. Walk through the
1: house in the buff, don't you? Correct.
0: Correct. No, no, I put the t-shirt and the underwear on before I go back to, to come out of the master bathroom. I mean, you really, for a lot of people, you're coming right out of your own bathroom. That's attached to your bedroom, right? And into your bedroom. And well, and not to brag. Better. Okay.
1: You've got a, you've got a suite in your bedroom. That's nice. I don't have a
0: suite in my bedroom. I have like a lot of people. I got a bathroom off of my bedroom. My bedroom. Uh, okay.
1: Look, some people don't live the the luxurious lifestyle of
0: Burlington. <laughs> oh, that's a good call. Okay. I'm sorry. I felt like, I feel like I just big timed you. That's my bad. That's my yeah. bad. But right. uh, yeah, no, even even. Um, no, I mean, like I've gone to to a couple of 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 camps where, uh, for basketball camps, and you've done the community shower. Um, so yeah, if that's the case, I usually will, will wrap it around the 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 waist and on down. How about you?
1: Yeah, I'm, I mean, if you don't do the waist, you're a psycho.
0: Like, yes, <laughs> like uh,
1: I mean, I guess occasionally if you've got like a weird towel that doesn't actually like wrap itself, you know, you can't tuck it in. Sometimes like I'll hold it up a little higher. If I gotta hold it myself, then it's just more convenient to hold like more around the gut so to speak but that's only if like i'm literally holding a towel for a couple seconds as i go into the room or something if i'm like walking around at a beach or something i've got a towel wrapped around my waist it's going around the waist it's not around my stomach or above my stomach what like that's just a bizarre move for a guy to do anyway All right, Skinny, let's jump into our favorite segment of the podcast. It's time for Ask Skinny Anything, and we have got a uh, handful of topics sent to us here. We'll try to get through them quickly. Um, Starting with, Skinny seems like he could be a changes-his-own-oil guy. Is that the case? And if not, where's his go-to spot? (laughs)
0: That's a, that's, a, that's a great question. I am not a change of my own. That's funny that somebody actually thinks that. I, I appreciate yeah. whoever that was that thought that, but no, I take it to a place uh, called Elite Automotive down on the Pike in, uh, in Latonia. Nice. My guy, I, Bill Collins, I used to play basketball, pick up basketball with Bill. He's a good man. He runs a, a nice business, takes good care of me as a customer. So yeah, he's my guy.
1: I take my car down to Latonia too. That's kind of weird, but not there okay uh i'm not a change my own oil guy too if you were wondering but i don't think anyone was wondering that
0: (laughs) i would say no offense to your your demographic rick you probably your 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 age group probably is is less inclined to do things in a fix-it-up way than even my generation my dad's generation on the other hand they were the fix-it-up guys right they could do anything i can't do with i can barely do anything I, i like doing yard work i can do some of that but i can't do much of anything else
1: yeah i just i'm not really into any of that stuff just not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I am had I'm not to. Uh, I had to pressure wash a deck a couple weeks ago. It was one of the worst things I've ever done. Honestly. Now,
0: now, actually, I borrowed a pressure washer from a neighbor a couple of years ago to do some stuff to, to you know clean some mold off of here and there and a couple other things. And I actually enjoyed that day. That was fun.
1: Well, it can, it can be satisfying when you're doing it at first. Cause it look you know, you see it come off there. It's like, Oh, it looks right, really nice. Right. But like by the time you're doing a deck and it's a big deck and you're shooting it like above your head for hours and your shoulder, it's just, it's a bad deal. I think my shoulder is still messed
0: up. So. Did, did you rent the, by the way, did you rent the pressure washer?
1: No, I've got people. I've got a, I've got a pressure washer I got, guy.
0: I've got people. I don't even have a pressure washer guy. I, I guess my neighbor. Yeah.
1: I, I got a pressure washer guy. Uh, were you a pool or bike ride kid during the summer?
0: Uh, a little bit of both. Um, uh, when I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, when I was in the fourth and fifth grade, in our neighborhood, we actually had a pool in the neighborhood that you could ride your bike to. It was right next to the school. It was actually a really cool neighborhood because you could ride your bike to the ball field. You could ride your bike to school. You could ride your bike to the pool that was right next to the school. So there I was probably a little bit of both. Um, but then, uh, otherwise, I would go pool over bike ride. I was more ball playing guy in the summer, to be honest with you. Um, I'd, I'd be the one that would organize like fast pitch tennis ball games in the back or wiffle ball games. So I was probably more of that. But yeah, if I, those are the two choices. I'd go. I'd go way more pool than bike ride guy.
1: Yeah, I was. We were big bike ride guys when we were kids. Um, in in the neighborhood that you eventually moved to in Crestview Hills. There, yep. We actually at one point got accused of having a bike gang by one of the neighbors it was literally like five six of us like just kids uh, well actually two of the kids were my brother and a kid his age who were five years younger than us and the other were like four kids that were all the same age that we just lived by each other so we'd like meet at one one of the buddies houses and ride to the other buddy's house or to jd's or wherever we'd go um yeah, and some ladies said we were a bike gang and got real mad at us and said we were like out doing things which we weren't. And so we started uh riding around yelling "Hooty hoo from that yeah, outcast lo- song. Lo- we- yep, I love it. Yeah, she wasn't very happy about that. Um, I-, I will t- I will
0: tell you my my coolest bike riding time though and it's actually from that same neighborhood. I'm I'm old enough to have uh, been around when 275 was being built and it wasn't quite complete yet. So we would ride from the neighborhood you're talking about because Um, I was down the street from where you are now um, and we would actually go up on 275 and ride our bikes on the, on the uncompleted portion of it. That was before it was open. That was kind of cool. actually.
1: Yeah. That that sounds dangerous now, but uh, back then it sounds like it. uh, Yeah. There was
0: no, there was was no traffic. So it was good. It was great. It was awesome.
1: Yeah. Uh, What is your most coveted man cave item?
0: I'm not a man cave guy. I wish I was actually, I'm, I'm trying to put one together in a spare bedroom that used to be my, my daughters and we've been finding Barbies and, old toys and stuff in a closet. And so I'm trying to completely it's, – it's, it's got a pink decor to it, so I'm trying to completely redo that and make that a man cave. I just there'd did be, the same. There would be no question in my mind when I get it finished, I'm going to get the biggest TV I can get humanly possible. Now, we have two giant screens in our house, one in the bedroom and one in the in the living room, but I'm talking about a big, big, big-ass big screen. I'm getting that. Well,
1: that's kind of the – got to set a parameter for this question, I think, because it's like uh, – obviously the the tv setup is going to be the most important thing in a man cave i mean that's what kind of makes it a man cave so like do we have to exclude that because it's saying like all right you already a have point. a man cave so what's like the like the best accessory once you already have one i don't that's what i'm wondering cuz like obviously for me it is tv slash computer setup. i need those two things
0: yeah yeah there's yeah no no doubt about that i i would go with that i you certainly have to have yourself i think a nice mini fridge or a fridge of some kind that way you don't have to get up and go anywhere else to to enjoy a beverage well and Um, that's
1: that was the one of the things i was thinking about though i can live without that like i'm not too bougie that i can't get up and go down to the refrigerator get a beer and bring it back or bring a couple back um it's not that i
0: can't do that it's that if i put this when i get this thing done i don't want to do that there's yeah, a big difference.
1: Uh, well, a kegerator, I think, is where I'd go. That's a great call. Yeah. That's a great call. Yeah.
0: That, I, a great if
1: I could get draft beer going in there, that would be that, like the ultimate addition.
0: That's a good call. I do. I have so much sports memorabilia and stuff. I was, I, I, I got to put it somewhere. I, I got to put put. That is there one somewhere.
1: piece of memorabilia that either you have or that you want that stands out above the rest of you?
0: no i got just a bunch of stuff i'm i'm in a uh, not to brag but it's gonna sound like i got i'm in a couple of hall of fames i'd like to be able to put those plaques up somewhere i don't know why but i'd kind of like to do that um just fact
1: not bragging just, 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 just the just, fact just, you are it, a hall of famer
0: it's just a fact i'm just i'm not i'm also I, I'm, a
1: national champion
0: coach well i've got it's funny i've got that uh, that that the one thing i have actually it's um uh, on the corner of my bed is i have the medal from that national championship team that i touch every night before i go to bed i kid that's you not. A Fact. That's a fact. Not that is a fact. So, and and I like that. There's a couple pictures from that team. Um, We actually did put a poster together of that team that I really have nowhere to put. I'd like to put that somewhere. Um all those kids are seniors now in high school and they're all graduating it feels like just yesterday so I'd like to be able to put some of that stuff somewhere so yeah I, that to me just to be able to have some of that stuff some place for it i I, I want that so yeah to answer that person's question, I'm actually trying to put something along those lines together i I'm, I'm just and you're like me a lot of i I'm, I'm so busy I'm never home that I really don't have a need for a man cave
1: yeah I had actually started putting one together like right as I was leaving for the horizon league tournament to go do that and kind of trying to finish it off rapidly as I got back uh, before the NCAA tournament and find out if I was you know where where we were going to go for NKU for that, um, but I wanted to have it done in case you know NKU loses in the first round and I come back and I'm going to watch the rest of the tournament at home here. Um, and then everything gets canceled. So I didn't quite get it all done. Like I had a second TV for the room that was going to be uh, hung up on the wall and everything. We finally just got around to finishing all that. So I kind of got everything in place in terms nice. of furniture, a couple recliners, got the new computer set up and the uh, the, the new TVs. So... I've got a solid little setup, but I do need some accessories now. So uh, maybe the, the,
0: the, the kegerator is a good call. I, I like yeah, that thought process. I
1: don't, I don't know that I can like install one of those here, though. It's not really set up for that. I might have to just go like mini fridge. Yeah, know. all
0: right.
1: But yeah, I'm not a big like memorabilia guy to where it's like, oh, I've got to have some certain item hanging up or anything like that. I'm more of like a picture guy than a memorabilia guy.
0: Yeah, I've got. Yeah, I'm kind of. I got a lot of that too. The, the other thing, um, I've got these cool makers mark bottles from Turfway Park with different. I mean it's a Marty and Jill bottle that's autographed, an Oscar Robertson bottle that's autographed, a Steve Cawthon bottle that's autographed. I really have no place to put them. They're in a they're literally in a I don't even know where the hell, they're somewhere downstairs in a in a uh, corner cabinet. Um, I, I'd like to be able to put those out in a nice display of some kind. I just I've just never been that kind of guy.
1: Yeah, I'm not I don't like I'm not gonna ask someone for an autograph. That's the thing. Like I have some from when I was yeah, I, a kid, I, I, I,
0: like, I, I I hardly have any autographs. I'm with you. I hardly have anything autographed.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of – it's just not really really my deal. But, all right, th- I like this question. I'm interested to see where you go here. Who is the biggest physical specimen you've ever seen in sports? In other words, the most athletic athlete of all time.
0: Man. I'm going to go – I'm, I'm going to go with a baseball player, believe it or not. <laughs> Glenn Braggs. Do you remember Glenn Braggs played <laughs> yeah, for the Reds?
1: He broke a bat over his
0: shoulder just swinging and missing. Glenn Braggs. And boy, this is gonna sound really creepy, but sometimes you see things in locker rooms you really wish you hadn't. <laughs> he is all man, bro. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying.
1: <laughs> I don't even know if I can leave that in the podcast, but I'm going. Yeah,
0: I don't I don't yeah, I and plus I mean that he was just he was cut. And you just maybe it I maybe I believe stri- Adam
1: Dunn had a word for uh Yes, he did. Like you.
0: Yes, and it, sometimes it was – you you didn't really even mean to look and didn't want to. You just there it is. I, I will say, and maybe it's because I'm in a football locker room and almost all those guys other than the linemen are cut, right? I mean, they're pretty cut. You just maybe don't see that as much in baseball players. But Glenn Braggs, man, I'm telling you, that dude was cut.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he was. But, I mean, like – I. I don't. You think he was like a freak athlete? Like, could he, you think he could run and jump and stuff like that too? Or, no, but but so if you ask me, who's
0: the? I mean, the question was physical specimen, right? Yeah,
1: but he followed that up with like the most athletic athlete of all time. So I don't know. I think those things are sort not necessarily contradictory, but sort of contradictory. So.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think. the most athletic athlete of all time. I, I, that's a. Str- I mean, if you're asking me, just physical specimen. It's Glenn Braggs, athlete. Yeah, of all Yeah, in terms time. of strength. Yeah, I mean
1: – Yeah, but who's, who's – like a, the, the last question I think is kind of more interesting to me is who's the most athletic
0: athlete of all time? The most athletic athlete of all time. You know what's crazy? And I
1: know everyone's th- – th- 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 well, Hang
0: on, did I actually covered?
1: No, 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 just in general,
0: period. I might go Randy Moss. Ooh. That's not a bad one. I think Randy Moss could have played in the NBA. Yeah, that's probably true. LeBron's up there, too, because I still would have loved oh, to have seen LeBron as a football player, right?
1: No question LeBron's in this conversation. I mean, he's yes. top three yep. without an
0: out. Yes. I'm going Randy Moss, though. Two, I believe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe two-time West Virginia basketball player of the year. And I, and I did get to see him in person in college at Marshall. My old radio partner, Tom Gamble, and I went up to a game at Miami And he still made one of the most ridiculous plays ever where he leaped over a guy, like high hurdled a guy as he was running down the field. It's the most craziest thing I've ever seen. Like a guy almost, he kind of squatted to make a tackle, so he didn't completely leap over top. But I've never seen a guy in stride just literally almost like do a hurdle over a six-foot human being before.
1: That's insane. Insane. But he was that way all the time. I mean, like nothing that I see by him surprises me because you're right, he was just a freak at all times. Um I know I'm going to get recency bias for saying this, but I think Zion Williamson is in the conversation.
0: Yeah, I'd like, like to see Zion play 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 football because he certainly has the body for it. I mean, the dude's
1: speed and leaping ability for a guy his size to go with that strength is just—it's off the chart. Like I saw, I said this on Twitter uh, a couple weeks back, where someone was tweeting a highlight reel of uh, Larry Johnson dunks. And I said, Zion has normalized this for me. Like seeing Larry Johnson do what he did, it was once so impressive. And now it's like, uh, it's still really impressive to see a big guy dunk like that. But Zion does so much more at his size, you know? And, and it's just like,
0: wow. Yeah, and Zion's three inches bigger too. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, you I, know, I, 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 it is recency bias, but I don't think you're far off. I, I'm still going to go Randy Moss. Randy Moss for me.
1: I think, yeah, I think I'd be torn between like LeBron and and Zion, but I feel like there's got to be a football player in there. I'm forgetting. I mean, obviously Bo Jackson and OJ Simpson are probably somewhere in that conversation, I would assume.
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, obviously Bo did it in two sports. Dion did it in two sports, but um, I, I never thought of Dion as a baseball player. I just thought Dion was a really good athlete playing baseball. I think Bo was a legit baseball player.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: I mean, he was. I mean, he could run, he could hit for power, he had a great arm. I mean, that, 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 in the, the Bow documentary that was done years ago, that throw he made from the left field wall, I believe, in Seattle to home plate on the fly is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen.
1: Oh, my. Yeah, the cannon. Yeah, absolute cannon. All right, uh, finally, we've got a little uh, story here to uh, finish this one off. It was sent to us by uh, one of our loyal listeners. So, a, a Virginia family made a strange discovery over the weekend after they thought they had picked up two bags of trash from the road. The Shantz family was uh, – you know the Shantz, is there?
0: I know, the old man Chance and, and old lady they are good yep. people.
1: Yep, uh, the Shantz family was on a drive Saturday afternoon weaving through backcountry central Virginia roads when they came across some goats and pre-made storage sheds. Emily Shantz says the car before them swerved and missed the bag, but they couldn't. They accidentally hit it, so they got out thinking someone had dumped trash in the middle of Broad Street. They picked the bag up, threw it in the back of the truck, saw another bag 15 feet away, threw that in the back of the truck, and headed into town. Little did the family know they were driving around for hours with nearly a million dollars in cold cash. Quote, mafia, Quote, it made a huge clunk noise, Emily Shantz said. Inside of the bag, there were little packages that were little plastic bags, and they were addressed on the front of them, and it said cashful. The Shantz called Caroline County deputies and turned the money in. Deputies are investigating. They believe the mailbags belong to the Postal Service, and the money inside was meant for BB&T. Skinny, if you came up on a million dollars in the
0: middle of the road, what would you do? I'd have to keep at least half of it. (laughs) Oh wow! I- um, and, and, espe- and especially if I can't. Well, look, if if I did see that it was destined for somewhere, I probably would. I probably would do the right thing and send it to its destination. But if it's not marked and it's not, you can't tell where it's supposed to go. I don't know, man. Finders keep, finders keepers, losers weepers, man.
1: Keeping half of it is the worst move you can do because if well, I mean, let's just say in this case, it, it's true that it was like the the Fed's money. It was you know United States Postal Service. Then in that case, when it, we're talking about a million dollars or half a million dollars, like they're not just letting that go. Someone's coming looking for it, and you're going to jail. So the fact that you kept half,
0: but then told them,
1: here's I the other I, half, so they ooh, knew. It was you. I
0: I didn't say I was telling anybody. I think I put it back where I found it. Put at least half of it back where I found it. Oh,
1: okay, but okay, all right. I can see that. That makes a little bit of sense to me. But if you know what, they start running fingerprints and stuff. I mean, you got to be That's, very smart about that. Uh, Again, you know finders, don't me before you see finders
0: it. keepers losers weepers i hope the I, I saw this story rick um the other day i i did not see did they they had to have gotten some significant reward from this did they not
1: i have not seen anything yet other than the uh the sheriff was patting him on the back saying they're good people and represent the community well um i i think at a million dollars you gotta you gotta either not touch it and just leave it exactly where it is which is i think what i would do or I guess maybe you turn it in, but I, I if if it's USPS marked, then maybe you turn it in. You feel okay about that. But you I'm telling you, you what, I'm not touching a million dollars if it's unmarked and doing anything with that because
0: if some, that's drug money, some, some some drug cartel lost that money. I, and, I I'm with you on that.
1: Yeah, and those aren't like low time <laughs> dealers, you know, from Correct. over the line or from backwoods Kentucky. Those are like. Mexican cartel guys that yeah, that's
0: fa- that, that, that's a fair point now I will say this the the, the U.S. Postal Service obviously has had its issues monetarily over the years and is significantly in debt H- how clumsy of them to just all of a sudden lose a million dollars
1: they say it's a mystery as to how it ended up there and that's what I'm trying to figure out like who uh, it doesn't even make sense how could a bag with a million dollars or five hundred thousand dollars each if it was two bags Possibly be in a position that they 're unsecured enough to just be falling out
0: in the middle of the road <laughs> it's great now you know the worst thing that could have happened to this and yeah right you know, the, the worst thing is if those people really did think it was garbage, and like you said, they threw it in the truck and then if they'd have just gotten to like a dumpster you know you're driving you, you know driving past a restaurant, driving past a gas station, whatever you see a dumpster like hey let 's throw those bags in there, that would have been something
1: yeah, and like looking at the bags, it's weird that they would have thought it was trash because i mean the bags clearly are kind of like burlap sack right, type right situation so they don't look like trash at all so i'm not sure if i'm quite buying that whole story um and i also don't understand again how you, the united states postal service just has a million dollars laying in the, the road that seems improbable so
0: backwoods virginia
1: I, I need a lot of holes filled in on this story i feel like maybe someone was like trying to run a uh uh some type of deal here and the gov you know the, the sheriff is in on it or something and yeah i don't know there, there's there's a lot of unanswered questions here that need to be solved but i'm telling you a million dollars is too much to keep all the people that say that you come up on it and you take it and don't say anything are crazy what i i think the number for me has to be below like a hundred thousand dollars before i'm keeping it if it's a hundred thousand dollars i'm scared someone's coming for me and can I find that- me
0: I think I'd be scared for anything over five figures, to be quite frank.
1: Uh, maybe you're right. I, don't, I mean, I just feel like if, you know, if it's like $60,000, there could just be local drug dealers, and they're not smart enough to, like, they don't have access to be able to come and get me and find out where I'm from.
0: Now, now real, real, real quickly on this topic to some degree, what's the most money you've ever, you've ever literally found that's just kind of random money that someone dropped? Um, I, th- I think $20. I found 62 once and it was literally, yeah. I, I looked, I looked around. And I'm like, whoever's this is, I, I'm not leaving it here because they're not coming back for it. And I didn't see anybody around where it was. I'm like, all right, I'm sorry. I'm keeping the 62 bucks. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Uh, one night I was at uh, a local establishment and I pulled my phone out of my pocket and I have, I'm, I'm not a guy who puts like money in his wallet. Um, and I'm also not a money clip guy. So I'll just have like, you're, rub- cat- you're, you're
0: rubber, you're, you're rubber band guy, aren't you?
1: Well, I'm not a cash guy, to be honest. I okay. just use a card, but occasionally if I have cash on me, then it just is in a pocket floating around. And the problem with that is occasionally it'll get caught on like the lip of your phone case. And so you pull your phone out and you're just yep. pulling money out and you don't realize it. And so I had that happen at a bar and a guy comes out of the bathroom. I'm just standing there. A guy comes out of the bathroom, like comes down and immediately just kind of like dive bombs at my feet and like grabs something and walks away. So he leaves. I see him come back in. I just grab him and go, Hey man, what were you grabbing by my feet before? And cause I had realized I had lost some money. I kind of thought maybe that was what happened. And he like tells me. And so I'm just, so I kind of go off on him and be like, what are you doing? I was like literally on my foot when you grabbed it. Why would you not ask me that? And I yeah, shamed I was, him into yeah. giving me $20 back.
0: Good for you. Uh, yeah. that, that
1: one, that, that, that's pretty brazen in my opinion. Yeah. I was, I mean just stunned that the dude would do it. That's why I didn't even question it when it happened. Cause I was like, no way that that guy just pick up like my money off my foot. And then I started like thinking about it and checking around. I was like, oh man, I did have a 20. I must've dropped it. So, I, in some ways it's on me for dropping it so he deserved it but like at that mm. point the fact that he did that without without just asking him being a decent guy i was like hey, yeah you know I, I
0: think i think in that scenario you look and go hey man is that your money you dropped and hopefully then you're decent enough if it's not yours to go no that's not mine or if it is yours you're like oh thanks man can i buy you a beer yeah. not in the case of what you happened to you i'd tell that guy to blank off but yeah
1: yeah exactly so screw yeah. that guy yes screw that
0: guy all right rick enjoyed it as always we'll be back uh, next week hopefully we uh we took a baby step towards maybe some sports this week hopefully we take a bigger step next week yes
1: yes and if uh anybody wants to get in on darts i have started well, i installed a dart board in the basement and i have been gambling people on zoom darts we've been playing zoom you got to go by the honor system you got to be honest about what you got but uh it's gone well so far so
0: i i, I love that concept that's actually awesome um yeah there there's there's something wrong with you with that there's really something wrong with you with that <laughs> what with darts gambling on zoom with darts okay i love it though i just yeah.
1: just like competition skinny that's all i know you, i've got exactly a competition
0: right. problem like michael jordan so do i so do, so do a lot of people rick enjoy it as always we'll talk next week for Sounds rick good. boring i'm Richard Skinner. this has been the skinny podcast the weekly Poker
1: edition